So Luke chapter 14 from verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another have said, I've just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is God's word. Have you ever been to a good party? Have you ever been to a really, really good party? And what does it take for that to be a great party? Now, honestly, um, when I was at school or at uni, I never really went to many good parties. Um, wasn't really much of a party person. Um, I was just too lazy and apathetic to really make an effort to go to a party. But now, now, a bit older, a bit wiser, I think the kinds of parties and the celebrations that I enjoy the best are wedding receptions. Those, for me, are the best. Um, when, when I got married, Lisa and I, when we were planning our um, wedding reception, we wanted to make sure it was like the best party that we would want to go to, the kind of party where we wanted to stay until the very end. Um, so we had great food and great drink. We had space for people to, to hang out and chat, space for people to dance, and a live band. Um, but best of all, our friends were there. Our mates were there. Everywhere we looked, there was somebody who knew us, either knew me or Lisa or knew us both together, and they wanted to be there with us. They wanted to celebrate with us. When it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to God's kingdom, when it comes to living under the rule of God, does the word party or celebration ever come to mind? Or to put it another way, someone says, what do you get out of being a Christian? What do you get out of being a Christian? And there are lots of ways we can answer it. We can say, well, I get peace, I have hope, I have safety. There's a sense of justice, a sense that God is putting things right. Um, I, I, I know that I'm forgiven. That's a huge thing. It's a massive thing there. And those are all good answers, great answers, by the way. But how often would someone say, well, being a Christian you know, loving Jesus, uh, you know, for me, that means I get to celebrate. 
That means I get to celebrate now and I can look forward to the best party ever. Yes, we get the peace of Jesus. We get the justice. We have that desire to to change the world around us, loving God, loving our neighbors, ourselves. We, We get to be part of a community, more than a community. We get to be part of a family. And what do we do with that family? We get to celebrate together. We get to party together. We get to feast together. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the, some parables from, from Luke's gospel. And I've said that these parables, they're often about the, the kingdom of God. They're about a life that's lived under the rule of God. And these parables, they tell us something about the way we hear about this, um, about this kingdom, the way that we react to this kingdom, the way that it brings about different emotions in different kinds of people, the news of that kingdom, what does that bring to us? And so as we go through this parable, the reason why Jesus told it, we're going to look at those things. We're going to look at the, think about the feast. We're going to think about the excuses made. We're going to think about the welcome. The big picture here in, in the in this parable, or rather the background to the parable, is the feast, the party, the the celebration with food, with food. Now, in the Bible, there's so much um, attached, there's so much significance attached to eating together. Eating, food, it's not simply, in in the Bible, it's not simply about getting calories inside you, getting energy or nutrients inside you. Feasting together, being together and eating together, it's a social thing. You show hospitality to strangers, you welcome them, you offer food. It's how you make someone feel loved, how you make someone feel appreciated. You eat with them, you share what you have with other people. And then in, in, in the Bible, they, people eating together and celebrating as they eat together, they're oftentimes to remember to look back, the, the Passover meal wasn't just, just a meal or a, a celebration. It was there to teach. It was kind of a visual aid. It was a sensory aid. You, you smelt the food. You ate the food. It taught you. It reminded God's people about the, one of the, significant, the most significant moments in their history, the exodus, their rescue from slavery in Egypt. Then you fast forward to the New Testament and the Last Supper Jesus and his disciples eating together, that was a celebration. That was a Passover celebration. But more than that, because the the disciples at that point, Jesus wasn't telling them to look back to the Passover and the rescue from, from slavery. He was getting them to look forward to his own death and then to look even forward, even further forward to a time, Jesus said, when he would feast with them in God's kingdom at a time when everything would be put right. Feasting together, celebrating together, the idea of a banquet, it's something that's also described in in Old Testament prophecies about this time when the Messiah would come to rule in his power, in his glory, and and it's described in some Old Testament prophecies as a great feast, as a banquet, If you were a Jew living at the time of Jesus, that's what you were looking forward to. Whenever you heard 
talk of the feast, the banquet or celebration. It's there in, in, in the mind as well. And this great banquet, this great feast, which is prophesied about, that's linked to the Messiah's rule in his power and glory, this is the great celebration that comes after the day of judgment. And nobody wanted to miss out on it. Nobody would want to miss out on it. And that's why, on this occasion, at the start of this reading, someone says to Jesus at a meal, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. That's why they're saying that. Now, the background to why they say it, the reason why they say it, is that Jesus was at a meal. He was at something which was supposed to be a celebration, but it wasn't quite working out that way. Jesus was at a dinner party being hosted by a prominent Pharisee. And honestly, it's all going wrong. It's all going wrong. Ever been at a dinner with someone or a dinner party and someone says something bad and you're like, mm, why did they say that? You can see everything going to pot. This is kind of what's happening here, except that Jesus isn't out, you know, no one's out to stir trouble. Jesus is just exposing what's already in the hearts of the guests. Jesus exposes their heartlessness, their pride, and, and, and it's awkward, and it's painful, and that's possibly why this person speaks up. You know, when some, someone tells it, does something wrong and someone else tries to change the mood, crack a joke or whatever, trying to bring it back onto something we can all agree on, blessed is the one who will eat in the feast of the kingdom of God. And I suppose the proper response, the polite response to that would be something like people saying, oh, and may that day come quickly. Or may we all be welcomed together. May we all be found righteous on the day of that feast. And the person who's saying that, blessed is the one who, who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God, they're hoping that everyone can forget all the awkwardness and let's get back on track and feast. The problem is that that's what social nicety would say we should do, but Jesus isn't interested in that. Jesus isn't interested in that. Listen, if we invite Jesus to, if we invite Jesus' voice to be heard in any environment, we've got to expect that that voice will challenge us, all of us, any of us, not just talking about those people over there, but us here. Now, back to the passage. Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God, says the man. And he's kind of looking at Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, right, Jesus, come on. Work with me here, Jesus. Trying to get some kind of recognition. And although it doesn't say it here, the, the, the parable is kind of an answer to that. Or it's a, it's a response to that statement. And that response seems to be saying, it seems to be Jesus saying, huh, seems to me like you think you're going to be at the feast, don't you? Seems to me that you, you're assuming you're going to be there. Blessed is the one who will, who will um, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Yeah, they will be blessed. But are you blessed? Do you think you're blessed? Let's think about that. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, come, for everything is now ready. 
The event that Jesus is describing, the story that Jesus is describing, is set up as a big deal. This is not just a meal with a couple of friends. Just come over, we'll hang out. No, this is a great banquet. This is a lot of people invited. And lots of people saying that they are coming. It's the way these things work. There was an invitation given, people responded, and then at a later time they were told, okay, it's ready now. It's ready, you know, the drinks are chilled, so you can come now. If it was a barbecue, you'd be saying, the coals are white hot. We are ready to grill. We are ready to go. We are ready to eat. But, verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. Excuses. Let's think about those for a moment. And the way Jesus is telling the story, it seems like everyone is making an excuse. Three people are mentioned as examples. And I think they're mentioned as an example. It's kind of like a summary, a reflection of all the things that are going on, of all the different kinds of excuses that are coming. But three are mentioned. Have a listen to these excuses. Do you think they're good excuses? Do you think they're bad excuses? Do you think they're a valid reason to, to miss this feast? First one. I've just bought a field, and I need to go and see it. Second excuse. I've just bought five pairs of oxen. I need to test them. The third one. I've just got married. I need to... Actually, it just stops there. Just got married. I can't come. Good excuses? Do they make sense? Now, some people, some of the scholars who've looked at this have said, no, those are lousy excuses. They're bad excuses. They're probably just lies. And they would say something like, the one about buying a field. I mean, who buys a field before seeing it? All that stuff about um, um, the, the, the oxen going out and testing the oxen. Well, you know, feasts normally happen in the evening. That's not the time for testing out your new oxen, is it? And since when is marriage a reason to stop you from attending a party? But the big point is that they're excuses. They're excuses. The master, you know, the host, he was expecting them. <clears throat> he was expecting them. That's why they have to, you know, give an apology. That's why they are asking. That's why they say, please Excuse me. And the thing is for us, is if we just think that these are lousy excuses, that these are just silly things, well then, it loses its punch for us. It loses, it loses its relevancy for what it means for us. But what if I update these excuses? Because honestly, I doubt if anyone here has missed out on a party because they were buying cows or bulls for their farm. Anyone? Anyone? Anyone care to surprise me? No, I didn't think so. Imagine the host gets the voicemail message. Sorry, can't come, but we've just moved. We've just moved, and I, honestly, I don't know where anything is in the area. Just need a bit of time to get used to my new surroundings. Or the WhatsApp message that comes up. Listen, I'm really sorry, I can't come but I'm just too busy studying. Got these exams coming up around the corner. Corner, Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't come. Or the Instagram post that comes up. The photo 
me and my girlfriend just hanging out together. Nothing said, just me and my girlfriend hanging out together. Message understood, can't come. See, the places where we live, the jobs that we do, our education, our relationships, our family, these are all good things. They are good things for us to enjoy. But what's Jesus saying? Those good things can quickly become our excuses. They can quickly become our excuses. There was a time in my life when I was what's technically described as a flaky Christian. I was at university, and I was happy to be called a Christian. My friends um, in, my, in my dorm, my friends, my kind of housemates as well, they, they said, oh, yeah, Mark, yeah, he's, he, he's a Christian. I, I, you know, I never tried to hide that. And when I was in church, when I was, <laughs> the times when I was in church, I would be happy to sing. I'd be interested. I'd be enthusiastic about what's going on. But I never planned, but I wasn't there every week. Never planned to be there in every week. I never planned to get involved in anything. You know, um, oh, come on, we've got this group coming up, or we're going on a weekend away with 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 young adults. Do you want to come? Hey, mm, yeah. Uh, oh, mm. Never. This just didn't happen. I I don't know what it was. I maybe I thought it was all a bit extreme. You know, that's what the super keen people need to do. But actually. Think about it. Deep down, I thought, I don't need to do that. I can get by without that. Like I said, it's not like I was out partying hard. But at other times, I, didn't, I wasn't kind of going out to parties, but then not necessarily going regularly to church because I thought I was at university. I'm supposed to be studying. I thought, at least for a few months at the beginning, I thought that's what uni was for. Or then if I wasn't studying, I thought, I need to rest. This is my time for me. What was going on? I think I was taking my Christian life for granted. I was presuming that I was okay. I had this attitude that because I'd accepted Christ years before, it didn't matter what I was now putting in front of Jesus in the way I lived my life day to day. Happy to say Jesus is Lord of my life for the big things in life, but actually the day-to-day decisions that I was making in life, God wasn't part of that. Look, maybe you're here. You're here today. You're here this evening. Um, but how often do you come? You know, maybe your, your social media, your Instagram, your Facebook would really show where your time is spent. Maybe your internet browser history, your Netflix history or whatever. Maybe that might show really where your passions really lie. But this is more than just about saying, come and show up every week at church. This is more than just saying, you need to come up every week to church, sign up for a pastor or, or, or youth group. This is forcing us to ask ourselves the question, are we making excuses? Whenever you make an excuse, you're not just, it's not just that you're saying no to God. You're also saying yes to something else. Ask yourself, is there something else that you're saying yes to continually in your life? 
But in this story then, it's not just, there's, this, there's not just this warning for those who are making excuses, but now there's a welcome, a welcome to those on the outside. Verse 21, the servant came back and reported this. That's the excuses being made. He reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry. Just pause there for a second. He became angry. Why do you think he becomes angry? Now, this is something I've wrestled with for the past few days. I mean, it's a parable. It's a story. It's a story with an intent. Not every single detail in this story um, has, you know, it doesn't all hinge on a single detail in these stories. But as we'll see, Jesus is clearly putting himself in the place as the host of this story. We're meant to read this and associate Jesus with the host, that Jesus is the owner of the house. So why is he getting angry? Is this a social thing? You know, in, in, in the story, the host has been seriously disrespected. You just don't do that kind of thing, to say that you're coming and then you don't show up and just offer a kind of a, sorry, sorry, please excuse me. Is that what angers him, that he's been disrespected? As I said, Jesus is telling a story here. And, I, you know, we can overplay the anger, but we can also underplay this here. The fact is that Jesus is happy to describe himself as being angry at this part of the story. The fact that Jesus says that, the fact that he includes that in the story as part of his motivation for what goes on afterwards, that should at least stop and make us think. Jesus is not indifferent about people making excuses. Jesus isn't like us. You, know, you can't make it, ah, cool. Never mind. Maybe next time. Jesus isn't like that. Let's let that sink in for a moment. But the reaction of the host, his passion, is not to sulk about and mope because he's been slighted. He's not saying, well, no, it's go. Go quickly. It's urgency here. Go quickly. Go into the streets into the alleys of the town, and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And when all of that is done, verse 23, it's kind of go out into the roads, and go out into the country lanes, go out a bit further, and compel them to come in, so that my house may be full. Go, go and get them, compel them, not, not drag them physically, but persuade them, show them that I mean business, show that I'm serious, show them that there's this great feast that is waiting for you if you just come. And then the people who are the least expected to be present at a feast, at a party, at a banquet, at a celebration, the people who thought they had the least reason to be there are the ones who are invited and welcomed to celebrate. Earlier, I'd said that Jesus had told this story at a dinner party with Pharisees, and at this dinner party, he managed to upset both the hosts and the guests. And this is part of what he says at that dinner party. It's from verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, 
Do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back so that you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What is it about the poor, the crippled, the the lame and the blind? What is it about those who are in the towns and the roads and the country lanes? What is it about them that Jesus says, come, invite them? Because they can't repay you. You see, those who accept the invitation to the feast, the blind, the poor, the crippled, the lame, they know that they can't pay it back. They can't say, oh, okay, next week it's on me. Jesus saying here, look, it's not physical poverty that we need, but we need to recognize our own spiritual poverty. Our hands are empty. We have nothing. Do we know that? We can't pay back to Jesus for what he has given to us. What Jesus has earned for us is given to us as a gift. And what is that gift? His death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Do we believe that? Remember, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And he was speaking, and, and in that, he's speaking to people who thought that their lifestyle was good enough for God. These, he was speaking to people who thought that just because they'd kept their nose clean, because they hadn't done anything terrible, that they were all right with God. But they were missing the point. Their excuses were showing that something deeper was missing, a desire to be in relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're hearing some of this for the first time. Or maybe some of this is actually sinking in for the first time. Hear that warning. Hear that warning at the end. I tell you, not one of those who are invited, who are invited at the first, will get a taste of my banquet. Was Jesus saying, don't let your excuse start again. Don't let your excuses lead to your exclusion. Don't let your excuses lead to your exclusion from the feast. Maybe now you're feeling God calling you. Maybe his spirit is showing you that everything that has gone before in your life actually has been excuses. That's you. Accept the invite. Maybe you're thinking, actually, I've been coming to church for years. Maybe you say, you know, you call yourself um, a Christian, but actually you're at risk of losing that invite. You've been called to something deeper, but each time you're, nah, not now. Just too busy with this. Just too busy with that. Let me get this sorted out. Let me get that sorted out first. Maybe the Spirit's calling you now to say, put the excuses aside. Get back. Maybe you've been presuming on God's love because you'd accepted Christ many years ago. That was me. Me. But deep down, you know that you've not grown as a Christian as you should that your passion for his love isn't there as it should be. 
If that's you, accept the invite once more. Just going to leave a moment of silence now. Maybe if the band wants to come up and get ready. Just going to leave a moment of silence and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Maybe there is something that you need to say to God right here, right now. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for anyone who is tired of making excuses. For anyone here who's, who've realized that they've been putting other things ahead of you. Been saying lots of yeses to good things, but always putting off saying yes to the best thing. To relationship. A relationship of love, of forgiveness from you. Thank you that you don't push us away even though we've made those excuses and that today, this evening, is a new day, a new chance to say yes. But help us to take that warning seriously so that our excuses don't lead to our exclusion. We want to thank you for that promise of that party, that feast, that celebration that all of us who are forgiven by you will be part of on that day, celebrating with one another as brothers and sisters, celebrating with you as our God, our King, our Savior. We ask in your precious name.